This is a Broad Pods production. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Danny Riley. And I'm Dan Riley, and together we run Manamade. In this podcast, we have decided that we wanted to dive a little bit deeper into some of the things that mean more to us that we weren't able to share within the web series. We've got a little bit more time up our sleeves. We're going to have some killer guests in throughout the series, some amazing experts, and really talk about what's important to us on the journey to build our dream home. For Dan and I, building a home that was as sustainable as possible was our number one priority. So in each episode, we will also highlight these features as a standalone topic. We know that the most important part of a house is when it actually becomes your home. So in each episode of The Pod, Dan and I will be giving you a sneak peek into these intimate spaces that made our house a home for us. Welcome to episode two of All Manner of Things. I am super excited about today's episode because it's going to largely be about the foundations of the home. We're going to be having a chat about the subfloor system, Dan, as you referred to it as a bit of a Meccano type setup (laughs) that you can do yourself. So we're going to expand on that and really share how that all came together and why that was the ideal choice and scenario for our particular site. And then later on in the episode, we are going to be joined by the fabulous Clinton from Kraus Bricks to talk about the bricks that we mm. used in the project that we've also managed to inspire other people in the area to use as well. So we'll be having a chat about the bricks, the brick making process and Kraus Bricks um, as a family business as well. Yeah. So thanks guys for tuning in to episode two. Now make sure you get over the web series, check it out. It's amazing. Yep. Episode two, I really love because there's a lot of... Well, constru- it's about you, mate. Well, it's about me. There's a lot of construction <laughs> going on, which is, you know, the nitty gritty. It's yep. what holds the house up. And as you said, it's it's the foundations and the footings and Kraus Bricks are a major part of that. But we're going to dive into the Spandex subfloor system before that. What I love about Spandex is just the efficiency of the whole process. Right from the very start, when you're going through design, nutting out all the little things you have to know, step down in shower, weights of island benches and baths, getting it to deliver to site. It's already cut to length, so you don't have to waste labour time cutting, measuring, doing all that. And to be able to then walk it up five metres on a tight slope, Mm. putting it into place, it was just so quick for us. And we have time constraints. You're a very hard client, Danny. You you make sure I've got to stick to the schedule. So this really helped speed up the process for me. It did help speed up the process. And I think there were days where I was physically there moving this stuff with you. And I don't recall like, that. No, I do recall it, actually. Oh, calm down. <laughs> but, you know, I have to say as well, from, from a compliance perspective, you know, we were in a high-rating bushfire zone area. So using mm. this product over timber was obviously more appealing. Yeah, termites down our way are very bad. Very bad. And that investment alone on 
on our termite protection for the site was considerable. So that was also an added bonus of this system. And we're right by the ocean. Mm. So having that salty air and it not eating away at the timber or other things like that. So It just made sense for us to use this system, especially yeah. the times of today where it's so hard to get an LVL timber. Mm. Sometimes we're waiting up to 12 weeks on some projects for these lengths of timber. Yeah. So to know we could get it to site or cut, bang, it's yep. in. And that's pretty much why I love the Spantec subfloor system for all those benefits. And yep. if you're a builder out there, I really suggest get on their website, check it out. It is going to change your process. It's going to make it a lot easier. There's so many benefits. Please, guys, give it a go. Now, it is time in the episode where we are joined by Clinton from Kraus Bricks. Thank you, Clinton, for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Now, the bricks at Blairgarry House. I loved connecting with you at the very start because you're like, that sounds great, Danny. (laughs) This sounds great, Danny. And you were like all in from passion, equal passion at the very start of the process, which is such a nice alignment, I think, to find um, someone and a company who connects in that particular way. So let's have a chat about the specification on the Blairgarry House project. Um, I'd want to share with all of our listeners the brick-making process because I think there's definitely an assumption out there that all bricks are the same (laughs) and they are wildly different. And I also want to have a bit of a conversation around some little quirky things that we did and sustainability practices that Crafts Bricks has and follows and what ultimately recommended you recommended to us in our project. Great, and love to. Um, so I guess we start at the start, which is the specification. Yeah. Um, the Ghost Emperor. Yes. Uh, great format. Came to us about 10, 12 years ago. Just a really good all-round brick. Lots and lots of character. And yep. that's where we started to talk about how we could add that character to the building. We started talking about techniques for laying the bricks. Yeah. Um, we looked at random bonds, which yep. just mm. worked beautifully with that style of brick. It's um, definitely a uh, a Danish-inspired brick, right? You see definitely. a lot of that in European and Scandi-European design as well. Um, and whilst that wasn't the ultimate design direction of the home, we definitely were going for that minimalist European mm. aesthetic. So for our um, listeners out there that haven't watched the web series, the brick itself is actually 45mm thick and 380 long, so it's a nice linear mm-hmm. sort of brick. It's not your traditional sort of square thick brick. Mm-hmm. It's quite architectural, actually. It's a beautiful-looking brick. It's a great brick and a great profile in the way you can get a lot more colour into a wall. So you're not just limited to high pixelated areas, I guess. Mm-hmm. It um, really does stretch out the walls. It can show a, a linear effect. It can make a house seem a lot longer and yep. mm-hmm. open out tight spaces in places. Yeah, and I loved how you mentioned that we did the um, the random bond mm. for laying these bricks. And the benefit about that is that it's just low wastage. Yep, you just come across a brick that's broken and it gets laid into the wall. That's really the aim of it. I know we went one step further with your place and we actually kept the smaller bits that were broken and then utilised them in the path for the walking paths, which was yeah, excellent way to make sure we had zero wastage. And I think when we were kind of first discussing about um, the specification, way, way before we even decided mm. to go with Kraus Bricks for this project, we're like, oh, we're doing these brick walls. We've got this datum line, but we've got this burnished concrete floor. There was always in the back of my mind, are these spaces going to be really cold? 
is it going to feel like there's so many hard finishes? How do we make mm-hmm. sure that, you know, we don't end up with a concrete brick box and how do we make sure that it's still really successful? So I think coming down to the specification, choosing that linear brick over your standard size brick, one, helped with that. Two, the creamy tones in the Ghost colour brick in the Emperor range. And then three, the brick haze that we have Mm. over that as well. So it takes it away from that really hard line or hard mortar line appearance and makes it feel more blended and cloud-like. And that's right. And that's what we're chasing in our bricks in the blends there. The ghost is lots of colour variation, lots of character, and the mortar smear over the top of it helps bring it all together. So you've got a, a brick that's very versatile there. You can use it where it's quite cool in certain places. And then yep. when you're outside and it rains, it gives a lot of warmth and everything to the building, but really chasing character and colour. Yeah, and I, I made nearly a boo-boo there as well. I, I go back and remember I ordered the wrong colour cement. Um, I think Danny said get some white cement. I ordered off-white cement, not really <laughs> thinking. But just that change from pure white cement to off-white cement, when we did a sample, really made the brick look so different. I couldn't believe the the variances in it. So you, when you do choose a brick, make sure, you know, talk to Clinton yourself or someone, an expert, to know what more to match with it. Often an overlooked factor of, um, yeah. of most builds and it's the most important. It's 20-odd percent of your wall at the end of the day. So, Oh, my yeah. gosh, I've never actually considered it as a percentage. Yeah, it's quite a lot. 20% of your wall. <laughs> but, but then Evan Clinton said, because we went the wash over the top of the brick too, which gives it a nice little pop as well. Yeah, it does. It softens off those extremities of the blend while still giving the variation so the eye can't be drawn to one individual brick. Yeah. yeah. So where does that finish come from? Question without notice here, mate. Oh, we basically go wherever we can to get the clays we're looking for, for the right mineral makeups, Mm -hmm. and then just fire our bricks with old sort of techniques in new kilns. So really chasing character rather than uniformity. Really, really good clays. I don't think there's anything uniform about Logari House, so that's a (laughs) great description for it. So a conversation that we did have on site as well when we were kind of, we all met, we were talking about the particular bricks and watching them kind of be lay in that random bond was the ability with these bricks to lay them whichever way we wanted physically. So you showed us an Two example. Sides of the yeah. Brain. You showed us an example where there was fingerprints or handprints in yep. one side because it was still soft. But then if you didn't want that in the wall, you could flip it over and have a different side. That's right. And it's just all about that versatility. So making sure you, if you wanted to go for the clinical effect, you could. Um, but you've always got the option of the other side. So some people they don't like the chips or the cracks, so they can mm. just flip the brick over and really get that that other look. The way we try to do it is just to make sure it doesn't have manufacturing marks or anything in the brick so you've got it versatile for either side. It's so funny that you say the, the clinical look because I feel like we're going more towards that natural earthy feel where you can see the fingerprints of someone mm-hmm. holding that brick. You, you want that sort of undulation in the brick. You don't want it perfect. That's right. We, that's there's a shift about. in the industry, which I, I mean, love. some people still want it absolutely perfect, but that's definitely something we've moved away from. Mm. I think if I'd had that conversation with you five years ago, you would have gone, you're nuts. I don't want a brick that's got someone else's fingerprints in I think if you had asked me five years ago, we're going to have a brick finish internally, I would have said probably no. You would have gone, no, I want white walls everywhere. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So Clinton, can you share a little bit about the Crafts Bricks family history, business history and your process? Love to. So we're a family business. We're now three generations old, 75 years. Mm-hmm. My grandfather started it post-war and then my father and some of his brothers were running through for a long, long time there. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's my father and I in business. So over that time, the product range has changed a lot. We've tried to move ahead of the market rather than with it. We've always looked for very earthy, textural style bricks and then just always looking to see what the next thing is, listening to our customers, our architects and and coming through. We're finding now people want a very unique sort of building, so they're <laughs> designing them with all different curves and <laughs> shapes, nothing square, and that's what we specialise in. So just yeah. really trying to give it the hands-on feel. We're all Australian-made installed, which is which is great. It helps us with our sustainability side as well. Yeah, being local just means mm. our carbon impact's not as big, um, which has been good. Now I'm from yeah. North Queensland, and when I moved to Victoria, I had no idea about stall or where stall was. All I knew was the stall gift. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Like everyone else. (laughs) Three hours away from Melbourne, west. Yep. It is, yeah. So just at the foot of the Grampians, um, beautiful little sleepy town of Mm. only a few thousand people. Makes the best bricks in the world. Yeah, (laughs) that's it. We love it. What I love about Kraus, Clinton, is that you guys can customise bricks. And, you know, I love trolling on Instagram and looking at those high-end architects. One thing they do have in common is they're using your bricks. And I <laughs> yes. do love those those arched one now that you're starting to create. How is the process different in creating an arch brick to a standard brick? Or any is, brick with a curvature yeah, for that matter. Just all done by hand. Wow. Um, so it's just that hand-on part. So just making up moulds and literally doing it by hand, pressing them by hand. Um, a lot of time we've got to make a brick and then repress it into a different sort of shape or something. So very, very flexible, very hands-on. Pat, my father, does most of our shapes, which is <laughs> wow. uh, great yeah. at his age, which is good. I find that incredible that your old man is using his hands to create these bricks. It's incredible. Like we said, traditional. Still, yeah. yeah, still today we're still building like that. Well, you guys are. It's amazing. So I've got a question without notice. How many bricks can the old man do in a day? Oh, he's pretty good at it. About 1,200 a day. 1,200? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's incredible. So, uh, so then I'm trying to think, so one brick, can we nail it down? How long would it take to make one brick by the time you get the clay, all the clays there, mix it with the water, and then mould it? Are we talking a minute? Oh, it's a couple-part process. So we kind of have to extrude a brick first. So that part might take per 1,000 bricks. There might be an hour in that. Mm. Um, and then the hand moulding, you're looking at a few minutes each one um, with a few people doing it. But, yeah, you're literally manipulating the clay into a different shape. Uh, you got to be very careful how it responds, um, and often we're trialling it as well because sometimes clay wants to go back to its its square format, but yeah, right. we, we don't want it to. Yeah, so he's, he's, <laughs> I've just worked it out. He's 150 bricks an hour. That's an eight-hour day. 
is worn out at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shake his hand, he'll crush your head. <laughs> Let's hope he doesn't go into early retirement. <laughs> so very traditional then. It's not coming out of a factory that's just stock standard sizes done by hand. That's incredible. That's right. And that's how we avoid being clinical mm. in our approach. I love that so much. I'd actually not put too much thought into what actually happens to get that curvature in that process and what Mm. that looks like. That's amazing. I think for people out there who are thinking of building or renovating, um, and you'd be thinking about the cost of using an internal brick face as opposed to your plaster and paint wall, I reckon they're very similar at the end of the day because the brick, the the ghost emperor, it's roughly, what, 47 to 50 bricks per square metre, which is like a standard brick. Yep, that's right. But also, it's a finished product. Once you've mm. laid that brick, you don't have to straighten walls, get the chippy to straighten walls. Then you don't have to plaster it. Then you don't have to top coat it all. Then you've got to paint it all, add skirtings. And it's then you might finished. have to paint it again in 10 years' time. It's already done. So I think it's very similar in cost. Tied in for life as well. Tied in for life. I love Tied it. Tied in for life. <laughs> <laughs> You're throwing all these amazing quotes out there for me. I love it. And in terms of quantities, because I still think about this and my brain explodes every time, the actual quantity of bricks that goes into a project. We're talking like tens of thousands of bricks. How many proje- How many bricks were there in Blagary House? I'm testing you. <laughs> I think it was like... Question without notice. <laughs> I reckon it was about seven or 8,000 by memory. I think about 5,000 emperors and a few thousand of the Red. best reds. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yes. And we have another project where it's been like 30,000 30, bricks. Mm. 30,000 of one individual item in a project. It just actually blows my mind. So I know that will do the same to listeners out there who actually aren't in this industry or understand much about the industry. But yeah, to have nearly 10,000 bricks in in your home, it's, Mm. yeah, blows my mind. Dan's nodding at me like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) For those listening to this who are like, cool, bricks a brick. Why is a brick not a brick? Oh, the humble brick's gone, I think, now. It's yeah. been uh, done for a long, long time, and people now are seeing it more as a material to be draped over a building, more so than just a standard square box yeah. brick. Um, people are using it, architects, designers, builders, as a material and a, a piece of artwork. It can be a, yeah. a piece of beauty. So people appreciate when they drive up to their house and what they see at the end of the day. Well, yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said a piece of artwork because yeah. a, a comment we get every time when we open our front door, you have this amazing staircase. Either side of the staircase, you have the bricks that just mm. run up alongside it, which then goes into the polished render above that. And it is like an artwork when you look at it. And in theory, you could say that, that's what we've got, bricks either side, then that... It kind of sounds like, what? You've got like brick walls either side. But it's, of the... it is artwork. It is. It all just blends. So the way that it's been laid, the way that it's been finished and the actual makeup and colour of the brick and how it translates mm. into that space, it's so beautiful. Mm. And it gives textural appeal as well as you walk yeah. in and it's all lit. You can see all the different shadows and mm. it's just beautiful to touch. And I guess let's sidestep. So when we were kind of pushing towards the end of the build, um, we had quite a few bricks left over, lots of like broken bits or offcuts or whatnot. And that's when you sent me a few pictures. You're like, hey, Danny, check out this project that recently did brick pathways out of their broken bricks. I was like, that's cool, Dan. Look at this. (laughs) Let's do something like this with our offcuts. So that eventuated into... A couple of days on the drop saw, 
or the wet saw. Wet saw, yeah. Not cutting a these saw. bricks in half because we didn't have enough. And also they were quite quite thick. 110. Yeah, yeah, 110 yep. that we cut into 50 mil, pretty yep. much. Yep, and then we hired Melbourne Paving to come in and actually lay or do the do the slab and then lay these bricks, and it just looks so perfect. It is the perfect entrance. So, brilliant work, Clinton. Thank you. Such a good use of the <laughs> waste part at the end. Is Absolutely. Great. Obviously, we're helping the environment there by using all the offcuts, but also, Clinton, when you create the Emperor Bricks... They've got to be at the top of the oven, I believe, is what you told us. And then in the lower part of the oven, you've got to have a different type of brick. That's right. We have a press brick underneath, so a standard sort of size brick that's underneath um, to support our emperor bricks in the kiln. And I know at your place you use those on the retaining walls yes. and areas like that. So it was, once again, all being used. Mm. Beautiful brick, I think we found when you were laying them on. They spot. are nice. They are well. such a nice. They're the reds we used as the second skin or the exterior skin where we had a double skin yeah. um, wall. And even just seeing them go up, we're like, oh my god, these they bricks look amazing. Seem too good to have hidden behind these walls. <laughs> but it was so cool to know that throughout the whole process of making the finished bricks or the bricks that mm. you would see, we had the bricks that were supporting the making of those bricks in the kiln also used on yeah. our project as and just well. For us that don't know, why does the emperor have to be at the top of the kiln? As a, Why can't you just have them all at the same in the one kiln? Um, just to support the weight. So the way we fire in a traditional kiln, down the bottom of the kiln there's quite a bit of weight. So we use a thicker brick, say a pressed brick there, mm. just to support the emperors that are up Pretty the top. Right. Yeah. It's only a small percentage, but it is something that's there. Yeah. So it's good to find a great use for them on site. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, totally. I just want to ask one more, just probably more for my curiosity. Run through the process of making the brick, the All emperor. Right, so I want to hear from start the to finish. The emperor, making the emperor. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. So it starts with finding the right clay. Like that's the biggest thing. So we basically hunt around wherever. So we're... Located in store, which is the gold field, so very, very rich, earthy tones of clay. Mm. So that's the first part. We find that and then we bring it into our factory and we crush it down to a finer powder, add water to it. There's not a lot to it. And then um, through a process of either a brick press or we extrude it and um, we end up with an emperor product. So we do that. We stack everything by hand. Um, that's where we get our fingerprints and everything yeah. from. Um, just that hands-on feel the whole time. So we're constantly seeing what the brick's like, mm. how it's performing, and also imparting characteristics in it which can never be seen again because no two are identical. Wow. That's really the process. So It seems it is, quite ancient to me. Like Very much so. Very traditional. Yes. Very ancient, ancient there. When we do shapes, we'll often start off with just a blank brick, so a solid brick, and then we'll we'll mould it by hand into a, a different mould. So just say we're doing a curve or something, we'll have to actually start the mould off, mm. and then it'll go through a little press there to fill out the shape. So very much hands-on. Labour-intensive, yeah, wow. And we have used, I mean, we've used other bricks on other projects in the past, and we've had issues around... Uh, the bricks absorbing too much moisture from the mortar or whatever it is, and we've had to like alter things in that way. How does your brick perform in terms of that? Yeah, we fire our bricks very, very high. So high temperatures, they're very hard, especially the ghost emperors, which we're using. They're a very dense brick, yep. don't absorb a lot of water, which can create issues in the dead of winter for <laughs> yep. laying a lot at once, but yep. um, very, very dense, very durable brick. 
So we've obviously had uh, a couple of, I guess, conversations around sustainability and what Kraus do in that regard and how that was impacted or implemented into our project as well. So a segment that we are introducing onto every episode of this podcast is sustainability mm-hmm. and what Kraus are doing or, or whoever is on this show are doing to improve their footprint. That's a great thing. So we've spent um, quite a bit of time now going through a certification process for our carbon. So we've used a third party and then it also had it audited as well. So um, going down the line to see what our carbon footprint is and then being in our industry at the moment, it's quite hard to change fuels easily. So it's something we're working on on a longer term basis. But in the meantime, what we're trying to do or we are doing is buying carbon offsets. So we've gone down the process of working out exactly what our, our carbon footprint is. Mm-hmm. And then we've gone to other companies, um, green fleets, when we're looking out at the moment, carbon offsets in the local area. So rather than just buying any offset, we thought it was good to look at environmental projects that were dear to our heart as well. So like wildlife corridors and the like. So we've spent mm-hmm. a lot of time and energy on that. What this means is every brick to leave our factory will be 100% carbon offset, cradle to grave, so from when the dirt's dug to when it actually gets on site. So, wow. Oh, I love this. I feel like we're not doing enough, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we partner with these companies because exactly. they are making a difference out there. Yeah, that's mm. so incredible to hear. So, Clinton, I wanted to ask you what is next for Kraus Bricks? Oh, I think the next thing's just our, our growth phase we've been in. So last five or six years has been exponential growth and it's going again right at the moment. So we're um, looking at acquiring more capacity mm-hmm. right at the minute. Yep. 2023 is looking exciting. That's awesome. Well, Love that. Like I said earlier, Clinton, I see you guys, Every everyone is using your bricks on yes. Instagram, all, all the big architects, all the big builders. So that's exciting for you guys. Very fortunate to work with great people who make our bricks look amazing. Thank you so much, Clinton, for coming in today. We really do appreciate it. And, of course, for being a part of the Blagari House project. Definitely wouldn't have succeeded Mm. the way that it has without you. Yes, thanks, mate. So thanks again. Okay, Jan, it's that time. What is it about the house that makes it a home for you? Well, it's got to be the Kraus bricks really, for me, feel like a piece of artwork. And yeah. I, again, I love opening the front door and just seeing it all blend, the staircase to the emperor bricks, yep. to the polished render above it. It's beautiful. I knew you were going to say that space. <laughs> <laughs> that was originally what I was going to say, but I, I'm going to reflect on where it comes down to the skill in the execution of works where there was Mm. multiple people involved. And I'm going to jump into the sunken lounge again because we know Mm. that's my favourite zone. When we're watching TV, every single night I appreciate the junction between the joinery Mm. that conceals the TV with the recessed track into the ceiling Mm. and where that meets the brickwork at that datum line that comes up to the finished floor level. That is beautiful to me and really seamless and an absolute shining example of where the passion behind this project comes to life in reality with these materials. Mm, I might give myself a pat on the back there. (laughs) (laughs) It was was very stressful to get all that together, I know. So that's why I think I appreciate it so much because it's such a great detail. But it's always not smooth sailing and I did learn a few lessons on this project and just being in this episode reminds me a few of them and I think in this episode <laughs> I talk about a detailed junction I really wanted to nail with the Emperor brick. I was going to try and mitre the brick going into a bit of plaster. Now, 
we got a little bit ways down the project and decided, I decided I didn't want to do that detail anymore. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I didn't quite get it right. I tried I tried to do a detail that was all pretty much impossible to do, but yes. I gave it a go. You did give it a go, but I think in hindsight, it probably wasn't the right detail for this particular project yeah. because it wasn't going to be like that anywhere else either. Yeah. So applaud you for giving it a crack. We did have to redo the whole thing, but it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter. You had a crack. Um, I'm going to reflect on lessons learned during this particular stage of the build around how important it is for scheduling and coordination of trade and deliveries. So on the particular day that I have in mind, it was a day where we had a delivery of block work, brick work, and the steel subfloor system. It was bin day mm. in the street. There were two other construction projects in, in, in the street, street and council were also doing works. Mm. Hectic. <laughs> <laughs> and there were a number of trades which also needed to come and park. So it was an absolutely hectic day and it highlighted to me the importance of sticking to your schedule, trusting your builder, and trusting that, again, we're all working to the same outcome and coordination of deliveries. <laughs> it was hectic. Well, guys, that brings us to the end of episode two. Thanks again for joining us on All Manner of Things. We'll see you next time. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.